What is up, ambitious listeners? So joining me on today's show is LaShawn Sanders Jr. He is a versatile weapon who is currently a professional football free agent, and we talk all about his career, what's next, and what he wants his legacy to be in a great conversation that we filmed a couple a week or two ago, actually. Because last week, unfortunately, we did not post an episode. Um, there were some power issues, and also it was the election, and I felt that, you know, the week before we provided you some fairly good content in terms of deciding which way, based on um, the opinions presented by REL, which way maybe you could lean based on certain issues. But the Monday before the election, or election eve as some people call it, and Tuesday if you listen to it, that should be about, if you haven't already voted, I mean, yes, there can be an escape from reality, but this is something that should be focused on and should be well thought about because it decides our country. So... I felt that between that and the power issues, it wasn't right to post an episode last week. So there was no episode last week, but we are back this week. LaShawn Sanders, great episode, and a quick week nine recap coming right now after a quick word from Anchor. Week nine NFL recap coming at you as the New York Jets and New England Patriots currently play. Cam Newton just rushed for a five-yard score, potentially. Don't know if Ashton Davis, the rookie from Cal, brought him down. But nonetheless, going to talk about the other slates. So, or the rest of the slate. The Falcons hosted the Broncos. 34 points for the Falcons, 27 points for the Broncos. Raheem Morris continues to coach very impressively for this Falcons team to a 3-1 and record during his tenure with the squad. As for the Broncos, they dropped to 3-5. and five. Drew Locke threw 48 pass attempts in this game, and the rushing attack failed to get going. And as for the Falcons, it's nice to see Todd Gurley start to look a little bit more back to form this year. We head to Los Angeles, where the Chargers hosted the Raiders. As the Raiders head to 5-3, and three, and the Chargers dropped down to 2-6. and six. Maybe, as a lot have said, the most unlucky team in the league. 326 yards, two scores, Nearly perfect game for Justin Herbert. The rushing attack, not bad. Kalen Balazs, 69 yards and a score. The Raiders were just better. They just played better defense, got the points when it mattered, and it just ultimately swung their way. And the Chargers lose another close one, but the Raiders looked very good once again this week, and they continue to look like maybe they can be contenders. We head to Arizona, where this was a phenomenal game between the Dolphins and the Cardinals, where two attack of Iloa really became the story of the day. 248 yards, 20 for 28 for Tag of Iloa, and two scores. As for the Cardinals, Murray, 283 and three scores. Both of them, phenomenal day. Murray also rushed for a score in 100 yards. Great day for both teams. Great day for two great young teams. But unfortunately, the Cardinals dropped this one, as both teams are now at 5-3. and three. The Cowboys actually held in this game, headed up by Garrett Gilbert, who, if many remember, played for the Orlando Apollos in the American or Alliance of American Football. I think that was what it was. Great quarterback there, and he proved it Sunday. 243, a score and a pick. Played good football. The rushing attack with Zeke a little roughed up. Couldn't really get going. 100 yards between the two of them. On the defensive side of the football, though, this was actually a fairly good showing. One guy who stood out to me, Trayvon Diggs. Seven tackles in this game. A guy I liked. He played great coverage all game, and I was impressed with him. With that said, the Steelers, they win this football game, but one to watch is Ben Roethlisberger. Those legs, those knees, a little concerning. The rushing attack failed to get going once again, and Pittsburgh this year, but the defense, once again, the story of this one. And the Steelers advanced 8-0, and the Cowboys to 2-7. and seven. What? 
The Saints and the Buccaneers, 38-3. The Saints absolutely demolished the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not just beat the Buccaneers, demolished. They were better defensively. They were better offensively. How they looked even better on special teams. But ultimately, this was a win for the Saints and a big one because they continue to remain in the playoff hunt now, and that's something to watch. As for the Bucks, you never know what will happen next, especially with Antonio Brown now in the fold. But still, it is concerning that they lost this bad. Now, the Packers, going back to the Thursday night game, beat the 49ers 34-17. This was a game that actually the 49ers sort of outperformed, as weird as it says, to lose by 17. But with 90% of their team and starters, it feels like hurt, they still hung in this game to an extent. But the Packers really dominated, though, and really didn't make it a game. But to hold within 17 points, that's a moral victory for this injury-ravaged 49ers team, and as for the Packers, 34 points. I mean, they continue to roll, and I think that those two losses were a fluke, and they will continue to dominate the NFC, aside from maybe the Seahawks for the rest of the season, and the Bucks and Saints could be making some noise. Uh, the Vikings and Lions, this was a very good game for the rushing attack, headed up by Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. The Lions, 20 points. This was another... Not bad offensive showing, but another example of why Matt Patricia should be, should be fired. This is not a good offense there in Minnesota, aside from Dalvin Cook, and they let up 34 points. That is not good whatsoever. Chiefs and Panthers was probably the game of the week, aside maybe the Dolphins and Cardinals, but this was a great game. The Chiefs come out 33 points, beat the Panthers by two, but this was a great, great performance by both sides of the football. I mean, Christian McCaffrey returns to the tone of two scores. The Chiefs looked great. Patrick Mahomes has not had a bad game since last year. That is insane. He has just been phenomenal. And the Chiefs win this one over the Panthers, but just a kind of similar game to the Cardinals-Dolphins. A good game for both sides. The Bills beat the Seahawks in an absolutely phenomenal performance by Josh Allen, over 400 yards, once again, maybe been back in that MVP race, but this was another great offensive football game. The Seahawks came, came back towards the end, but in the end, this was the Bills game to lose as they continue to maybe pick up some steam after a rough two-week span. And as for the Seahawks, two losses in a row could be something to watch. Titans and the Bears... This was a close football game that didn't need to be close. Titans coming off a loss, as are the Bears. The Bears held in against a good defense and a good offense and stayed within seven points. But as for the Titans, this needed to be a better win for them, even though the Bears have a great defense. They should have been able to control the Bears' offense a lot better. Talked about the Broncos and the Falcons and the great Raheem Morris. Now we head to Jacksonville within that uh, south of our country, the Jacksonville Jaguars, headed up by quarterback Jake Lutton, stayed competitive with the Romeo Cornell-coached Houston Texans. Uh, The Texans win this game 27-25. This should have been an easy win for them, but the Jaguars, that young, scrappy team, continues to hang in there. And one thing my co-host on the Fireside Football Podcast, and you can listen to that wherever you listen to podcasts, and it's presented by Empire Sports Media. One thing he said that I thought I should highlight on this show and give him the credit for is Todd Bowles, Justin Fields. What do you think about that for Jacksonville 
potentially next season. What do you think of that if you're a Jaguars fan? Let me know in Instagram or whatever. But definitely something that could be a great fit, but uh, something to watch there. And uh, lastly, the Giants and the football team. I mean, not a lot to pull from this game. The Giants looked better. Um, They actually looked pretty good the past two weeks. Something to watch maybe there. But uh, the football team, devastating injury for Kyle Allen, who was really just starting to find his groove, and as was that offense. So uh, disappointing for them. But that is your Week 9 NFL recap as the Jets are sort of driving on the Patriots here. They're at their 48, and uh, maybe a better offensive football game than we expected. Dow Loggins coaching a pretty methodical Jets offense to this point, but before that, the Patriots just rolled right over the offense. So we'll have maybe a little bit of a highlight of that next week, but this was our Week 9 NFL recap. And now to a interview with the great LaShawn Sanders Jr. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is an absolute beast of a cornerback. He is a professional football free agent and ready to light up the scene. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, LaShawn Sanders. LaShawn, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Appreciate you having me on. So thanks for coming on. How did your football career begin? I want to go right back to the start. Um, it definitely started when I was a kid. Uh, with my family, we would watch a couple of the games or a lot of the games that would be on, uh, specifically around the holidays. Um, not to mention my mom, she was a big uh, Tecmo Bowl player. So I got to um, watch her run around with Bo Jackson, and that was uh, something that really, really inspired me to play. Now, how have you felt that, I, I mean, it's a long span of time, but how have you felt that you've really grown as a player, like in terms of what the game has taught you? I guess going back to high school, what was your high school or football experience like? Um, I went to St. Francis of Sales, the um, Division Three school here in Columbus, Ohio, a pretty prestigious school. So they were known for, um, like in in conjunction with getting a very good education and a very high graduation rate, they were known for football for being a perennial powerhouse in Ohio. So um, I would say I was pretty spoiled, honestly, when it came to high school. Um, I was surrounded by a lot of good athletes, played a lot of good competition. So, um, yeah, I got a, got a sneak peek of things to come uh, in college. So, um, yeah, I had, a, I had a pretty good high school experience when it came to football. Now, looking at that high school experience and how it applies to the football player you are today, do you feel that playing with such elite competition and playing for a powerhouse helped you, like, in an iron sharpens iron sense? Oh yeah, um, that's that's definitely that's definitely how it works. I would say, um, like when you come to college, you're playing with. I mean, even as like an eighteen, nineteen year old, you're playing with kids, or potentially could be playing with adults. Honestly, at that point, that are older than you and like bigger than you and more have more uh, knowledge and experience. 
playing against talent that would excel at that level uh, in high school definitely um, prepared me better from that, that kind of regard, that aspect. Now, talking about, I guess, your background and coming from Columbus, Ohio, which is a very renowned, I guess, sports city is the best way to describe it. And it's a big football state, too. I mean, I've had guys come on the show from California, from different parts of the country, but Ohio is a football state, in my opinion, at least. Growing up around Ohio State football being there, around the Cleveland Browns being there, no matter how bad that they can be, and having Ohio University, having all these teams around there, what was that like in terms of getting a football culture within your state? Having having all of those all of those teams around, uh, it it definitely brought its own its own kind of culture. Like Ohio State being the the big state school uh, in Ohio, that brought an atmosphere completely of its own. And then um, it it just felt like I don't know. It just felt like football was always always around. I would say even when it wasn't football season, people were talking about. Um, oh, I can't wait to see what what goes on with Ohio State, or even like you were saying, the Browns, the Bengals, like just it, so so it, it just feels like football's always here. So that that definitely plays a uh, plays a big role in defining, I would say, like what's a, a college state or a football state. I, I would say, I mean. Now, and I guess to go hand-in-hand with that, um, to tie back to the high school experience, what was your college recruiting process like? Um, I, was, I, was pretty, I was pretty, I would say, under-recruited in, um, in college, like, like, like you were just talking about. Um, there are a lot, of, a lot of athletes and a lot of good players that come out of Ohio, so it's, it's pretty easy, I would say, to go, to go a little under the radar. But um, I had a few schools showing interest. Um, I had some preferred walk-ons from like the bigger schools um, here here in Ohio. But um, I wanted to go somewhere where I could play and uh, have like an immediate impact on the program. So I was more uh, recruited by at least locally uh, the D2s in the area. But I had um, I had offers from probably D2s, D3s all over the all over the country. But uh, yeah, I wanted that. I wanted to be able to make an immediate impact. So uh, that's the route I chose to. I chose to go when it come to, came to recruiting out of high school. Now you had the opportunity to make multiple stops in your college football career. Can you elaborate on how each of those places helped you better as an athlete? Um. So yeah, like like you were saying, I played college football at every division. Um, I played Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. In each of those places, I did learn something different. Um, at the bigger schools, there were, I don't want to say, um, I don't want to say more talent, but I want to say uh, a wider variety of skill. Uh, so you, we had we had a full spectrum of athletes uh, at like uh, Ohio University where I played D1. Um, Division two, I played at Malone University uh, when they were back in the GLIAC. Um, and even there, I was playing, um, I was playing athletes from the upper part of the country, like Michigan, uh, specifically like Saginaw Valley, like schools like that, and they were Division Two powerhouses. So we got to see a whole other uh, type of type of like programs, uh, stuff like that. And then uh, Division Three, where I finished at Capital University, uh, which is a smaller D three here in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it was just you, we might not have had as many as many weapons, and the the caliber of player wasn't greatest but uh that taught you to be be more um 
camaraderie, I would say. Like, you have to be more on the same page as your teammates and in order to win. So, yeah, each each place carried its own carried its own little um, its own little part of like we were talking about culture. So, uh, yeah, it was it, it was good playing at each division as well. So, a nice experience, and I got to see a lot of uh, different different athletes. Now, that's something that you just hit on, seeing different athletes. And you actually have a unique perspective from the college football process, I guess, than really anybody that's come on this show. I mean, you've got to play against some of the best competition at all levels. And you've also gotten to see what it's like to be at a D1 school, a D2 school, a D3 school. So having those varied experiences, what would you say was your favorite stop along your college football tour? stops along the way which program now you, I talked about the division two and also being at Malone mm-hmm. University but which program do you feel really most emulated and prepared you for that professional football like experience that you could be receiving oh um easily Ohio uh, University um there are a lot of guys every year honestly and the years that I was there and who I was uh there playing with that did a shot and are still getting a shot at the next level. So, um, yeah, definitely Ohio. Their the kind of caliber of athlete is, uh, is pretty elite there. Now, you, you've experienced a lot of different layers of football in your career, as we've reiterated to this point. Mm-hmm. But off the field, I guess I want to know, what was the biggest challenge you faced in your life and career to this point? Obviously, there are a lot, but um, the biggest one would be being a student athlete. Uh, that's like a full time job, and uh, yeah, I like pride to pride to every uh, every student athlete out there because I know that time commitment and how crazy that can be, and how big of a struggle that is trying to balance uh, a life on the field and a life off the field. Um, so yeah, I would say being a student athlete was, was easily the biggest off the field uh, like struggle. Now, something I've noticed in talking to a lot of varied people from different sports, different realms of professions, is that everybody has that moment. That moment that sticks out in their mind about their profession, either when they realize that this is what they wanted to do for the rest of their life, or when they felt most alive. So I ask you this, not as a game that maybe was your statistical best, but what game did you walk out of going, that was the most fun I've ever had on a football field? Uh, um, let me think, let me think. 
I would have to say probably the first game I played in when I got to Capital University. Um, it was the first time I got to play in a while after transferring um, from Ohio University. Um, and they were they were a spread team, so obviously playing corner, you're just like, yes, thank you. Like, I'll actually be doing something. I'll get to do what I find is fun. So, uh, they, yeah, they, they passed a lot. Um, it was our first home opener here at Capitol. It was a night game, so the atmosphere was already uh, pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, I also had a good game, but um, like I said, they passed a lot through a lot downfield. So that was, uh, that was probably the most fun I ever had. And I would also probably say the secondary at Capitol had as well. That's really, really cool to get to hear because, you know, some people pinpoint a game where they had this huge play, but it's kind of cool that you, you chose the atmosphere and you chose the fact that, I mean, they they were throwing a lot and challenging the secondary, and that was something that you really remembered, and that's a really, really cool memory to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to say it's not, uh, it's not often that it happened, I guess, in our league, but uh, so when it did, you definitely uh, remember that. Now, talking about what it has taken you to get here, you mentioned your mother earlier and the impact she's had. Who else has had a huge impact on your football career? Um, I would say every every coach that, that I've played for and uh, literally has been coached by. Uh, being, I mean, just in life and then being the specific position that I play in football, you do pay a lot of attention to details. So uh, there's always something that you take away from someone who's got uh, that wisdom and that knowledge. So, um, all, yeah, all, all the coaches that I've played for, anybody, I would say, who's given me pointers or helped me out, um, yeah, I would, I would definitely say them. Now, you were not naturally a cornerback. You were actually a wide receiver, and I mentioned um, this, I, or I wanted to mention this in the open, and I forgot about this, but... You're a weapon on the field on both sides of the ball because you have that background as a wide receiver. So I guess my question here, kind of leading you into it, is if you were to sign with a pro football team right now and they said play wide receiver, do you think you could hold your own? Oh, uh, yeah, 100%. I'm actually uh, the trainer I'm working with. His name is uh, Kenny Stafford. He's uh, had some shots in the NFL, and he's been a standout in the CFL. He, he plays receiver. So the training we do is uh, specifically to translate to the field. So we do training in both. Uh, he's teaching me how to break as a receiver, the stuff that he learned as a receiver, as a professional uh, NFL receiver, CFL receiver, as well as building on the stuff that I already know as a defensive back. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely say – I was actually thinking about that. We were talking about that uh, this just yesterday, which is funny. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely, I would say yes to that 100%. I would love to get back uh, on the side of the ball where the ball's actually being thrown to you. That'd be a nice little change of pace. Now, I guess my follow-up question there is, which spot do you like playing more, corner or, or defensive back, really, because you're pretty versatile in the, in the secondary as well. But would you rather play on the defensive side of the ball or the offensive side of the ball? Um, I've, I've come to, I've come to like... I've come to like uh, playing on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, I mean, just being honest, like nothing, nothing's better than than catching the ball and, and scoring touchdowns when it's actually meant for you. Uh, there is something very satisfying about getting the ball away from somebody it is meant for. Uh, so I don't know. 
it, it's close to me. I love them both. Uh, but at this point, I would say uh, I would say defense. Now, analyzing your game a little deeper here, I want to, and this is a two-part question, so I'll start with the, I guess, the negative in that sense, but if you had to pinpoint one aspect of your game that needs work and is maybe not the strongest, what would that be? Um, I would, I would say, I would say my, my off, um, man coverage and more footwork, um, which is all stuff that Kenny has been helping me with, so we've been, we've been hitting that, uh, pretty hard, but yeah, that's the, that's the main thing in my game, uh, sometimes my footwork could get a little, uh, a little out of place, but, uh, yeah, that, that's my, that's my main thing, I think everything else is, uh, very solid for being a corner. <laughs> Now, looking at the opposite side of the spectrum now, what would you say is your best trait? Um, I have very high motor, and uh, I'm very physical. I would say I'm more physical than majority of corners. Uh, so, and yeah, like strength at the position as well. Uh, those would be my, my three best, best attributes, if I had to say. Now, um, this is a pretty broad question, or vague, I guess. But if you had to give yourself a five-year goal and more for the sake of this, the five-year ideal of where you'd like to be. What does that look like for you? Um, well, obviously, hopefully getting, getting signed here, uh, here soon, finding a, finding a home. Um, depending on, depending on how that goes, um, either, hopefully I'd like to, I would love to say I'd be playing, uh, in five years and continuously playing and have found somewhere that uh, that suits me. But um, looking at like investing and how the world goes, uh, that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm big into business. So um, it, I guess it's all variable, variabling off of, uh, off of football and off of getting signed. Um, I, have, I know I have a few workouts uh, coming up in the near future, hopefully, um, it's, as Corona like subsides. But um, yeah, just just grinding uh, as of right now, just playing playing things out, uh, taking it one day at a time, and keeping my head down. Well, that's a very very good focus to have, and I guess the you just hit the nail on the head with Corona. Um, having talked to Davon Howard and Justin Wilson in the past two weeks, two other NFL free agents. Um, looking at the way COVID has impacted your search to find a home in professional football, especially with organizations like the XFL and the CFL opting to postpone, what has that process really been like? Obviously, you've mentioned how difficult it is right now with COVID, but what has it been like, I guess, to try to find a workout or find a home right now? Uh, obviously, it's been tough. Like, majority of the, of the uh, countries shut down and nobody knows like which put which foot to put forward so yeah it's been it's been hard uh, i know some teams are starting to starting to open things back up and it's just uh it's just hard to find a place where where you think you'll you'll see like longevity um a lot of places i feel like would be more short term so um i'm me personally i'm i'm looking to to waiting till 2021 when the CFL starts their uh, starts to league back up and hitting some of those workouts, but uh, yeah, as of right now, it's it's pretty pretty hit or miss, I would say, which makes things like even even more difficult in in the search. Now, I guess my follow up question to that there is, um, in terms of professional football, if there was a place you could just 
pick right now and you're immediately a part of that team, where would it be? Probably pick either either Tampa Bay or uh, Cincinnati, uh, the Bengals. Now that's a weird answer. I was expecting, yeah. you know, the Tampa Bay one doesn't shock me because Todd Bowles has run a phenomenal defense down there, and that was evident this past Sunday. But mm-hmm. the Cincinnati one shocks me a little bit. There, why Cincinnati? Just because of the Ohio connection? Um, that's that's one one reason it wouldn't be bad to be. Uh, be close to home to an extent but uh i feel like they they have a a nice up-and-coming program uh over there i mean you know what you see like joe burrow um i actually played for his dad at ohio university he was a safety coach um so i feel i don't know I, I think they would have a they have a nice a nice program developing over there so i wouldn't i wouldn't mind it'd be the best of both worlds for me now, would you like to catch passes from Joe Burrow, or would you still want to stay in the secondary if you were working with Joe Burrow? I think it would be more fun uh, to intercept him to show his dad uh, learned a little something. <laughs> now, you say Cincinnati here, and you said Tampa Bay. Obviously, Tampa Bay was because of the connection with how talented they are this year. But growing up, was were the Bengals your favorite team, the Browns, or somewhere out of Ohio? Um, growing up, I didn't. I didn't really have a favorite team because. Uh, like I said, my family and I we'd watch uh we watch a like wide variety of games. Um, I was more player oriented. That's still how I am now. Uh, I follow a lot of like players as opposed to the teams overall. Now, a couple of those players are they guys that you look up to as role models, or are those guys you find fun to watch? And who are those players? Um, it's a it's a mix of both. Uh, they're I, I would like to say they fall under both categories, but um. Like Deion Sanders, for example, that's my the main the main guy I look up to. Uh, I I see similarities in our game and how he like carries it. Not not how he carried himself, but uh, similar similar to that to a certain extent because he was a little over the top. But um, he was just very dynamic, uh, and versatile. So just just guys like that and certain traits that I see in them that like I want in my game and I want to like mold myself after. So yeah. Now, you do have that Sanders namesake to an extent, and right. with that, do you feel you bring that dynamic energy and would bring that char- or the charisma to a football team? Yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel like there, there, aren't, there aren't many many Sanders out there, but the ones that you do know are those, uh, those pretty big names, as, mm-hmm. as in, like, Dion and Barry. So yeah, I, I like that's how I looked at it growing up. I'm like, hey, why why not me? Like, I'm gonna put some of those skills in my game, and then I'll be the the next Sanders up. Now, would you say, and this kind of backing piggybacking off the Sanders thing, but would you say that you bring? energy to the field like some guy one guy just immediately popped in my head was former new york jet now seattle seahawk jamal adams this guy who's just flying all over the field and you can tell he loves the game is that the kind of way you play oh i'm i like to i like to be all over the place um i'm i'm kind of it, it depends it depends for me on the on the vocal like it depends on the guys around me uh i i provide energy and i do like to feed off of others energy so um it's a it's a little of both I would say but um I definitely I definitely like to stand out so uh regardless like you'll you'll see me out there hear me out there something 
Now, just two more questions for you quick here, LaShawn, and thanks again for doing this. Now, talking about your legacy, this is a question I ask every guest who comes on this show. When it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, I would, I would say I want to, I want to make, make an impact on the game to where people, people know who I am. Like, yeah, he, he did, he did all that, all that he could do for the game. Uh, I want to be, I want to, I want to leave a legacy that, that's like that. Um, I don't want, like, obviously you don't want anything negative, uh, anything that's like going against your reputation or anything like that. So yeah, I would say just a, a positive legacy. A legacy, um, something where people, when you think of me, you only think of uh, the good thing. You only hear like good things and uh, positive associations. So yeah, I would say I would say a legacy like that, and uh, hopefully similar to the other Sanders that we were just talking about as well. Now playing right off of that, who is Lashawn Sanders off the gridiron? Um, I'm. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty laid back guy, honestly. Uh, I like to, I like to hang out. Uh, obviously, like working out, uh, can't not get him better. Um, but yeah, off, off, the, off the field, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty chill, just like a, a normal, normal everyday guy. I love my movies, love my video games, love my puppies. So <laughs> that's that's me. Now, how many dogs do you have? Uh, just one. Oh. And what kind? Uh, he's a pit bull. Oh, very nice, very nice. And then, favorite movie? Ooh, uh, that's tough. Uh, I'm a movie connoisseur, but um, I would have to say Money Talks. It's from 1995 with a young Chris Tucker and a young Charlie Sheen. Very, yeah. very nice. Now, my last question here, and I forgot to ask you this before we close out. LaShawn, if you could be any kind of boat, what kind of boat would you be? Gotta go, go big or go home. <laughs> hey, that's a great answer. Ladies and gentlemen, LaShawn Sanders. LaShawn, do you want to tell the people where they could find you? Uh, yes, I appreciate you for having me on, uh, first and foremost. But, um, yeah, if you guys want to check out anything, my at is uh, at LSJR underscore X5. Just, just the initials. So easy to find. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, LaShawn Sanders Jr. Thanks again, LaShawn. Yep, I appreciate it. Take it easy. My thanks again to LaShawn Sanders for joining me on the pod this week. It was a great sit down with him and excited to see what he can do once the coronavirus pandemic opens up and he's allowed to sign with a pro team. As for the rest of the pod, reminder, you can tune in to old episodes and new episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. You can check us out on Instagram, Twitter. Instagram is at Ambitious Podcast. Twitter, Ambitious with DP. YouTube, Ambitious with Dylan Price. Have a phenomenal week, ambitious listeners. And remember, we are always here, no matter the circumstances, to be an escape from reality. Have a great week, guys.